Welcome to the Innovate for Impact podcast. This podcast is for leaders in the social sector like you who want to make a difference. Each episode is packed with practical ideas on how you can be more innovative and create an even bigger social impact. We share our ideas on what you can do and also speak to leaders from the sector to share best practice. So let's get into it and let's talk impact. Welcome everyone, it's Dan Bentley and Tracy Newman from Impacto Consulting. Trace, what are we going to talk to people about today? Oh, look, what we're going to talk to people about today is how you can create a process that enables you to continually hear from your clients, understand what it is that they really need, and then use those insights to create even better services for them. But before we get started, just wanted to say happy hair birthday, Dan. Oh, thank you so much. Is that like my, the fact that I got a haircut and it's my birthday put together? I was going to say, it sounds weird, but yes, it's Dan's birthday and he had a haircut. So looking smart, feeling old, all of the above. Yeah, I thought I'd, I went into the barbershop and I said, look, can you give me a new trendy haircut so I look a bit younger? Can you cut out some of the greys that are starting to come through <laughs> as well at the same time? Uh, but, uh, yeah, this is the finished product. For those that are watching, you can see it. For those on the podcast, just imagine what I normally look like, but with a slightly shorter haircut, slightly trendier haircut. I thought it might have been one of those deals, you know, where you, where you get a free haircut where it's your birthday, you get a free moo where it's your birthday, one of those deals. That's a good point. I should have I should have asked if they did that. Yeah, that's a really good point. They did offer me a beer, which is a thing that barbershops do, but it was like a 10 o'clock appointment, you know, and I've got to go, come back to work after that. So not really time appropriate. I should start booking them in at like four o'clock on a Friday or something so that I can take them up on that. But anyways, thanks for that. Thanks for pointing those things out, Tracy. I um, appreciate that. So yeah, let's get into it. So you said that we're going to talk about these processes that people can set up in a way to in- continuously improve their services. So when we're talking about that, I guess where it starts is, well, it's essentially a way that as a senior leader, you can set up these processes within your organization and people within your organization will be continuously improving the client experience. And we'll go into a little bit more detail around how that looks and how to set it up and the different components that you need. But I guess let's start at the where we usually start. Why do it? Why would you want to set up a process like this? Always a good idea to start with why, because I think, you know, if you nail the why, you can work on the finer details of the how afterwards. But really, the reason why you want to be able to do that is absolutely so that you can integrate your client's voice into every area of your business. Because you know, that there's a thousand different pieces of data out there that you could use to, to justify that. But essentially, this is a way that you can embed your client's voice into the way that you work on a continuing basis. Like doing co-design projects is great and a really powerful way to bring the client's voice into your organisation, but you can't do a big co-design project all the time about everything. So this is more of a tangible way to ensure that you're always having that client focus and using that client focus then to improve your services. Yeah. And I also think we see organizations a lot that have a lot of data that they get from their clients and they either don't know what to do with it or they just don't do anything with it. And I think this is another way to be able to make sure that data is utilized. You know, at some point you've paid and you've you've organized for this data to be collected if it's not being utilized and you're not getting those gains from that, it's a bit of a waste really, isn't it? 
Absolutely. Yeah. The waste in terms of the collection of the data, but also, you know, waste of everyone's brain power. You've got all this information floating around. You're not actually using it. It would be better to not have that information and, and give everyone some, some clear brain space. <laughs> yeah, it's a good way of looking at it. So in terms of why is this important for organizations, when we think about that, the model that we often talk about, which is the whole, are you a traditional and surviving organization or are you an innovating and impactful organization? Innovative and impactful organizations, they understand that their clients are really easily able to leave a review, good or bad, about how they experienced the service or product. They also know that their clients are being bombarded with messages from other service providers and other alternatives uh, of different ways that they can have their needs met. They also understand as well that they're constantly talking to their friends and family and other people like them that you may need to use similar services. And by understanding that, they know that they need to be continuously getting better so that their clients are consistently wanting to stay with them and wanting to rave about and leave good reviews about their services. So that's why this is really important. That's how it sort of all ties back in here is that if you're not focusing on your clients, then at the end of the day, you will get to a point where they are unhappy and they may not want to continue using your services. So that's that's the bottom line, really. So yeah, this is why this is important. We've been through a few different things. There's a whole heap of different benefits as well. Once we do get into a bit more of the detail around what this is, I think that will become clear. But yeah, maybe we should just jump into it and start talking about, well, how does this thing work? What is this system that we're talking about setting up in your organization? Yeah. And I think one of the beauties of this system is that it does encourage that collaboration and it does encourage that working together. You know, sometimes you hear this saying of, you know, I don't want my people to come to me with problems, I want them to come to me with solutions. And whilst that sounds great in theory, what we actually want is we want our people to understand the problems and then we want them to collaborate and come to us with, you know, really great solutions that have included a lot of different perspectives. Whereas, you know, having people go off on their own and create solutions also isn't necessarily what we're looking for here. So I guess the first step, and I've sort of indicated that, and as have you, Dan, is to listen. You know, where are all the different pieces across your organisation that you're getting information about what's important to your clients? And of course, you know, one of the most common places is actually just when clients are interacting with us. So, you know, what are our people who are delivering services hearing from clients is a great place to start. But then, you know, what are all the other pieces of data that we're getting and and how can we combine all of that information to get a clear picture about what's really important? So it's about that that real sort of in-depth listening. Yeah. So let's give them maybe a few more examples as well. So Tracy mentioned that it could be the people on the front line. What are they hearing? What are your top complaint areas is another one. Are you currently asking for feedback from your clients? If so, that's another area, whether that's through a net promoter score type arrangement or whether that's just general feedback. Maybe you have a suggestion box on the front desk at reception. I don't know. (laughs) This is the sorts of things we're talking about. Cancellation reasons. You know, are you talking to people when they're leaving and and they're not wanting to use your service anymore? Are you finding out the reason why? You know, I'm sure a lot of your IT systems spit out a heap of reporting around different areas where people drop out or no longer use your service or even it might be in your onboarding side of things is there an area where 30 or 40 percent of people are dropping out at a certain point that could help you then try and understand that particular area but the idea is really when tracy talks about listen it's about collating all those pieces of information across the organization and making sense of it 
and then getting a really good understanding of this is all the different pieces of information and feedback we're getting today from our clients. Was there any other traits that I've missed that you can think of that? Yeah, there's my favourite one, which is actually having different people right across the organisation in different roles and at different management levels, occasionally picking up the phone and having a conversation with your clients. There's nothing more powerful than people having that experience of hearing directly from clients about what's really important to them. Well, that's a good one. Glad I came back to that. I almost moved on to the next bit. So nice. Yeah, that, that, that's a really good one. And you know what? I think we've been a part and we've suggested that to organizations in the past and clients are so often so pleased to receive a call like that and to be given the opportunity to be able to provide some feedback. We often find more often than not that you get a really positive response from clients when you do that. So yeah, it's all about just pulling that together, all that, all those data points. There's probably others that we haven't thought of, but I guess that's where it starts. You do a bit of an audit across your organization and think, what are all the different data points? What are all the different ways we could get feedback? Pull all that together and then set up some sort of a meeting or some sort of a document, whatever you believe is the best way to do it, to try and let all of that come in and then try and then, I guess what you try and do then is the next step, which is to learn and to make sense of that information. So let's talk a bit about that. Yeah, and this is a really important piece because this is where often it comes out that you learn more about a problem when you're speaking to different people with different perspectives across the organisation because I've had that experience of, of running these meetings whereby, you know, you'll have people from one team will tell you, oh, you know, that's the system, it, it, it can't be fixed, it's always worked like that, and then you'll have some people from the IT area going, no, 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 we fixed that four years ago. <laughs> is the system still doing that? Because if so, we need to know because we can fix it. And so, you know, actually that knowledge sharing across teams and departments and and speaking about clients and their, their experience enables everybody in the room to really learn a lot. So what you're saying there is it's a good idea as part of that exercise to have people from different areas, different levels, different departments, so that you can sort of build that 360 degree view of the customer's problems. Absolutely, yeah. Otherwise, you find that the information is very one-sided and, you know, you, you might hear about the technical reasons for it, but you won't hear about well, what are the impacts on the client when the system does that. You know, you might hear about, you know, constraints, but you won't necessarily hear around possible workarounds. Cool. So you've got a bunch of people from all different levels of the organisation, different types of roles that play a different role in, I guess, in the service delivery and whether that's front or, or back of house sort of roles. So then you, you pull all that information together and they sort of start trying to make sense of this and they try and understand it from all different levels. And once they start to sort of pull out a few different trends, the next thing we do there is we go, okay, so we've now starting to see there's like maybe a list of, let's say, 10 different areas that we need to improve. And the next part of it is once we've understood them all a bit better and understand are there something that we need to solve and can we solve, we need to start thinking about, well, where do we start? Because maybe we can't work on 10 at once. So what do we suggest people do in that scenario? Uh, look, I love using models that help you to make decisions when it comes to 
prioritization. And again, that's where having all those different perspectives can be really powerful because sometimes what you'll actually learn in that is that something can be fixed. And, you know, one of those things could just be a really quick win. You know, we've seen that experience happen time and time again, where, you know, you've got somebody from the technology space in the room and they're like, oh no, that's that's a five minute job. We can get that fixed quickly. And then you find out that people have been working around that for quite some time. So you you can sort of have those, those real quick wins but using some type of matrix where you have different questions that enable you to understand the scope of the problem and how big a piece of work it is but also contrasting that with client information is it something that has a really large emotional impact when it happens you know because certainly something that's going to create a large level of emotional distress from your clients might be something that would you would prioritize higher even if it happens less frequently because of the impact that it creates and then of course you know you want to actually examine, well, how often does this situation actually occur? You know, it might be a high level of emotional um, concern, but if it very, very rarely or almost never happens, are you going to prioritise something that's happening daily instead? So you want to know how often it happens, the size of the problem, the emotional concern that it creates, or the emotional delight that it creates. You know, maybe there's something that if you could do it more often would actually really enhance your services. And by including all that information in your learning process, then it really helps to be able to prioritise it from there. So just to give people a bit of a visual in your heads of what this could look like, is that we have a document that we use when we roll this program out to organizations. And essentially it lists all of the different initiatives that have been raised or the opportunities or problems that have been raised. And then just a simple series of questions like Tracy asked before, and we give them each of them a score. And then that tallies that up at the end. And then you can then prioritize that spreadsheet based on the different scores across the different areas. So obviously with that, we've got our own criteria, but you could quite simply build your own criteria for the things that are important to your organisation. Are you looking for innovative ways for your organisation to deliver more impact? Take our online assessment and receive a customised report in your inbox that highlights exactly what to do next. It takes only five minutes to fill out and it's completely free. Visit impactoconsulting.com.au slash self-assessment. Okay, so we've now got all of our people in the room. They've learned about the problems. They've sort of quantified them in different ways, whether that be emotional impact or, you know, just in terms of size of the problem and regularity and those sorts of things and whether we can actually fix it. And then what's the next step? Well, the next step is you actually want to progress. So we've done some really important background work, but without actually progressing on any of these items, you've still got data that you're not effectively using. And the best way to do this is to to divide people into smaller groups and then have people from different backgrounds working on creating some of these solutions together. So therefore, that gives you that increased sense of collaboration across the organisation. And it also means that you've got the various different skills within those groups actually get them to start working on these problems, uh, allocate them some time so that, you know, you're not just sort of elevating their pressure if they're already at 100% with work you know, a daily workflow, well, obviously giving them something else to do is just going to create concern, give them some time and actually get them to work together on that solution and be able to then loop back 
to everybody else within the group to make sure that there's those constant updates so that people can hand on heart know that the solution is currently being worked on and how far away that delivery date looks to be. Yeah, cool. So essentially what you're saying is that it's going to be several groups of people working on maybe the top three problems at any given time, depending on what sort of capacity you have in your organization. And then once they are solving these or getting close to solving these, they're going to be updating the rest of the organization around how they're going so that when that does launch, it's not a surprise. We've gone through a change management process. We've looked at it from an implementation perspective. And then what happens is, is that once those top three are finished, then we look at what are the next top three on that list. And again, we give that to some different groups to start working through as well. So now you can start to understand how it's a bit of a cycle. And you can understand that it's not just about doing this once. You work through those top three problems, then you work through the next three and the next three. And then, you know, you're still having that listening type situation happening where people are submitting more problems and more opportunities. And so, again, you're constantly reprioritizing them and solving them. And you just constantly have this continuous improvement type process set up in your organization. So what that means for you as a senior leader is that you can sit there and you can constantly see these new initiatives and and problems being fixed you know that that's happening you can check in with whoever of your leaders is running that group and sort of say how many have we solved what have we solved and you've got some great stories to be able to communicate around the organization of things that you're doing to make things better for your clients but also i think the other thing is too if this is working really well you're also going to be able to see whatever it is that your client satisfaction metric improve right? Because if you're out there solving the problems that people are starting to get annoyed about or that they might be leaving and stopping using your services about or putting in complaints, you should be able to start to see real tangible results come as a result of that. So that's what's also is really exciting about this. And, and what we found in our experience, it doesn't take long to, to change some things. A really good example of this is we were working with an organization a while ago and something ridiculous like 11% of their complaints that they were getting were about their on-hold music. So they would call up and they'd speak to a staff member and they'd have to go and find out an answer. They'd put them on hold and that music was so, it grinded their gears so much that it was 11% of all complaints. Now, when you didn't look through that data and you were trying to find themes, it was just washed in and people said, oh, look, some people don't like the hold music, but they didn't understand it was 11% of complaints. When they removed that, they automatically saw, they were running a net promoter score type program at that point. And they actually saw, a, I think it was like a, yeah, I can't remember the exact amount, but it was a significant jump in their net promoter score straight away after that because it was annoying people that bad that they didn't want to actually recommend their organization to their friends and family. I can't tell you what the song was. It, it, was, it was something that obviously people did not like. Maybe it was like the Collingwood theme song or something, I'm not sure. But uh, no, it was, it was something and it was amazing how much of an impact. Now, I think that's more of a bit of an anecdote more than so like what's going to probably happen for you. But my point with it is, is that it can be something that seems quite trivial and quite easy to change that can have a huge impact and you should be able to see those runs on the board quite quickly once you start fixing them. Absolutely. There's always those small things that are occurring within any organisation that are actually really easy to fix. And they're a great place to start because it gives that group, you know, a couple of runs on the board, some really successful stories to start sharing. And then you can move on into some of the things that you'll be working on will definitely be a lot harder than, you know, changing hold music or, you know, changing the way that your website has, you know, a button and things like that. But once you start getting into this routine, it will actually be so encouraging because you'll find that 
all of your teams will love the idea that they actually get to have some influence and they get to see the things that they're constantly annoyed about or the things that they find difficult to explain to clients are actually being worked on and that there's solutions underway. Even before you've solved it, people feel better about it and it already starts to become a lot less of a concern. Yeah, we've also seen in the past too, it's a really nice thing that people can say to clients as well when they do say, oh, I don't like this or you know, that wasn't good. They can say, look, I'm actually going to submit something right now to see if we can get our team to improve that. I think that's also a bit nicer than, oh, I'm sorry, sorry for the inconvenience. You know, I think it's, it's a much better message as well for your clients too when you are actively working on that. And it gives your people that confidence as well that things are changing. So it's not just a token gesture. Oh, I've sent that through to the suggestion box for you, sir. It's actually gone through to a real process that is, it will eventually get looked at, which is cool. So I think that's it really. That's, that's essentially what the process is. You know, we've talked a little bit about why you should do it. And we've also talked about the benefits that you get as an organization from that. I think just the one last one that has sort of popped into my head too was around do set up a process as well where people can submit and easily submit any ideas or any problems themselves because I think there's a real benefit in that. I think where we've seen this done well is when people have it accessible to anybody. Where we've seen this not work that well is when certain roles or managers or certain hierarchy only have access to this continuous improvement process. I think it's one of those things that should be open to everybody to submit. But you, what you can do is is create the submission form with some certain amounts of data so that you've got, you know, those. it's going to be easy to quantify these problems and it's not just you know, one particular person in a certain role's gripe, you know, they can actually do some work to sort of quantify it at the same time so that you can understand how significant it is. But opening it up is where we've seen this done well for all staff. So yeah, was there anything else you wanted to add at all, Trace? The other thing to your point, Dan, about making sure that everybody has access to it, closing those feedback loops. So, you know, if if you do find that you are looking at something and it's not prioritised at a particularly high level, going back to the person who raised that and letting them know, look, it's not in our top five, it's not in our top three, what that means is it has been recorded, it's been registered, but we're not actively working on it at the moment, really helps because otherwise people feel like they're sending something into a black hole and they don't know what happens to it after that or, you know, they send information through and, you know, nothing ever gets done. Whereas if you just sort of circle back, then it gives people the idea then that, oh, okay, well, it hasn't made it to the top of the priority list. It also gives them the opportunity to give you more information if they feel that it should have been higher on that priority list. So, you know, sometimes when people are filling out something like that, they might not give you all the information. They might just sort of assume that all they need to do is to, hey, this is a problem. Whereas if you sort of circle back and say, look, we're not prioritising that one at the moment, these are the things that we are working on, they might be able to say, oh, I just want you to know that that this is something that's happening every day and, you know, I've had four other of my peers mention it to me and I said that I'd sent it through. Well, then all of a sudden you understand the size of the problems may be a bit bigger than you thought and then you can reassess it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think equally as well, when you do complete and do fix someone's problem, do that as well, right? Close that loop also. So, hey, one of our carers, Joanne, she submitted this and this is what we're able to change and this is the impact it's now having for our clients because Joanne did that. I think that's also just equally as important to what you mentioned as well, Trace. 
Oh, really important. Then you get to see the results start to change, not just from, you know, your client metrics, but also your employee metrics. You know, people love to be able to solve problems. They love to be able to contribute. That's the reason why many of the people that we get to work with work in these areas. So if you can actually give them that feedback and let them know the difference they're having in the community, that's really significant. Absolutely. Well, there you have it, guys. So there's our process to be able to continuously improve your services by learning from your clients. So essentially, let's just do a little bit of a recap. So the first step is all about learning. So pull all the different data points into your organization, into a central space so that you can make sense of all the different opportunities. You can then get a diverse team to quantify some of these and and prioritize which of them you should work on first. Once you have a bit of a hit list of things that you want to change, you then go and split up into teams and give people some time to be able to work on those problems. And then finally, you deliver the greater experience and make sure that you're circling back both in the times when you are fixing things, but also just as equally as important is to close that loop when you aren't doing it, just to let people know that it is still worth submitting those ideas and you know you will eventually get to them. So that's it from us. Thanks so much for, for listening in and we'll speak to you soon. Cheers. Thanks. See ya. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Innovate for Impact podcast. Any links to what we spoke about today will be posted in the show notes. If you'd like to know more about social innovation, visit our website where we have a heap of tools to help you on your way. Visit impactoconsulting.com.au. Thanks for listening. Now go out there and make an impact.